Today, I'm from A to Z. Ch-ch-changes! Welcome to From A to Ziggy, the podcast where we talk about every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Travis. And I'm Thomas. And this is a very special A to Ziggy. Is it? It is, because we're talking about a super iconic David Bowie song. Perhaps the most iconic of the David Bowie songs, one would argue. Yes, just like, uh, just like a very special blossom deals with uh, changes in one's life. This, this song also deals, deals with a certain number of changes that yes. one goes through. We'll be dealing a lot less with alcoholism than your average very special blossom, though. But more drugs. But way more drugs. <laughs> so, yeah. This is the lead track on Hunky Dory, which uh, may have come as a shock to the system to people who bought Hunky Dory after really enjoying Man Who Sold the World. Yeah, it's, it's very different from The Man Who Sold the World. You'd almost be tempted to say that, it, that there's been some marked uh, some sort alteration. Of evolution. A kind of a C movement. Things have differed a bit. Uh, from the last yes. album. Although he is, he is kind of nuts to warn us. He says, hey, look out, you rock and rollers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to be doing a little less rocking and rolling on this album. So, shameful changes admission. I remember as a child that when I first heard this song for a number of years, when I was like, yeah, probably like in elementary school, I thought this was a Bob Dylan song. Because like, in this era, like he, he's not really doing that like low, like David Bowie at his Bowieist voice. Like, he does kind of have like a little the bit of a... Beso profundo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that he does in uh, Candidate. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, it, it sounded a little bit Dylan-like to me at that point. In all fairness to me, when I was that age, my, my favorite Bruce Springsteen song was also On the Dark Side by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, so I didn't really know anything as a child. You knew a lot more than I do. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's a song that I, I, up until I was in like eighth grade, I thought was a Bruce Springsteen song. Oh. And then I was, I was informed otherwise. Um, and then also because I was like eight or nine years old, I was like weirded out by the song because I thought it was well. Uh, when you're like in elementary school and you hear people talk about changes, you're like, haha, changing diapers. So like, I had this weird mental image of like someone changing, about like Bob Dylan needing his diapers changed or something. It was really, I was a weird kid. I, I have, was. Yeah, you were. A weird I've, kid. I've literally never until now had any. I'm sorry, Any I association destroyed this brilliant song for you. changes and diapers. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I was a weird seven-year-old. But then I felt kind of redeemed. Not so much on the diaper thing. There's no redeeming that. But on the Bob Dylan thing, I felt slightly redeemed when I found out as an adult, oh, not only did I think the song was by Bob Dylan, but it's on record with a song about Bob Dylan on it. So I felt sort of redeemed that there was at least like an influence yeah. there that I'm, I, I was even as a dopey seven or eight-year-old was able to kind of suss that out a little bit. You'd be forgiven for confusing this song with a Dylan song. Yeah. Travis, I forgive it's you. It's okay. It's okay. 25 years later, it's okay. Uh, you're officially absolved. Oh, man. I feel better now. Uh, Spiritus Sanctus, uh, whatever all that. <laughs> also a note on this. So sometimes I really like it when, when the universe kind of harmonizes. And I feel like this is one of those times where uh, I'm kind of excited to be doing changes now because I'm like midway between all these crazy changes in life where I just started a job and I'm moving in a week and it's like, ah, oh, Bowie, sing to me about changes. Well, that's the thing about this song is it's, uh, it never gets old, to quote another song. It's always relevant because there's always something changing in your life. There's always changes going on. So it's always relevant, you know? It speaks to 
a teenager just as much as it speaks to a middle-aged person as much as it speaks to I'm assuming an old person although I haven't I don't know that from personal experience but uh, one would assume I would assume there's other changes yeah not to get too morbid but <laughs> old people they go, they go through changes <laughs> I did literally just walk by a funeral on my way here <laughs> oh. so here's my favorite David Bowie changes anecdote so my downstairs neighbor at my first apartment in Providence, he was also our, um, our landlord, and he had this habit of blasting super loud music at all hours of the night. And I got really kind of used to it after a couple months. But one night I was lying in bed and changes came on. And then when it was over, changes came on again. And it just kept playing and playing. And every time, it was, and it was, this is like a weeknight, if I'm recalling correctly, and I had to get up and go to work the next morning. So I wasn't super thrilled about this. And like the song would end, like, okay, maybe this is it. And then bump, 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 son of a bee. And then as I was like getting more and more annoyed, I kind of had this realization that like, oh my gosh, I will never live in a more ironic moment than I am right now. The changes is on repeat. And this was for like two hours, it felt like, until finally my, my roommate went downstairs. The interminable changes. Uh, yeah, but finally my roommate. Did you like, check? Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, he, she ended up like pounding on his door with a drink in her hand, be like, Robbie, I will give you this beer right now if you put on literally anything else. And she's a huge Bowie fan too. She's just like, I, I can't anymore. And he was like, oh, you want to come in and have a drink and whatever other substances he was imbibing that evening. And she's like, no, Robbie, it's like three in the morning. <laughs> we all have to work tomorrow. So that was like the single most ironic moment of my life. Well, that's, that's, I'm glad he was alive. I've, yeah, my yeah first, we're relieved. <laughs> my first instinct was, you know, that your landlord had died. It was, that was always a worry. And you'd have no one to pay your rent to, give mm. your rent check to. Yeah. You'd have to sort of prop him up, <laughs> put on Just the facade. Do that so we can do Bernie style so we don't lose our apartment. Yeah. Um, so this was, like you said, di- very different from The Man Who Sold the World. Kind of more of a pop record, more accessible. This song in particular sort of starts it off very markedly different from, from anything on the last album, the last two albums. It's got a lot of different hooks strung together, it's, and there's a simple verse-chorus bridge structure. Very of the times, very pop, very yeah. accessible, very mainstream. It's a song about self-reflection. From the beginning of the lyrics, he turns himself to face him. He's examining his life, his career, his, uh, in, in kind of a general way, too. It's not, it's not just David Bowie looking over his career, the last two albums. Oh, they sucked, they didn't sell well. Uh, I'm going to do something different. But it's more general than that. You know? It's applicable to any, anyone in any stage of their life. Yeah, and it, it kind of turned out to be interpreted as his manifesto for the rest of his career. Yeah, and very early on in his career. Yeah, it's crazy to think that, I mean, he literally could have, he could have quit right then and there, and he would have had, yeah, one of the most iconic songs that's ever been written. Well, that's the thing, is it's only in retrospect that it gets that reputation, because this is before, when this song came out, this was, of course, before Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. And so Bowie wasn't the weird androgynous alien that he became later. So it kind of got propped up by the context. Yeah, yeah, and so he, he wasn't known... He wasn't known at all, but he wasn't known for uh, all the different chameleon-like changes that he would go through throughout his career. So he couldn't have stopped there. It wouldn't have become an iconic song because it wasn't. It was released as a single and didn't get anywhere. And it uh, it only 
gained recognition after Ziggy Stardust. I guess it's just so hard for me to think of it outside of the context of it just being this song that's been omnipresent in my life for as long as I can remember. Yeah, yeah. But that's sort of the goal here is we're going to look at the songs as the songs themselves outside of the context of uh, the career, the timeline, the albums that they're on. So uh, this song this is a stuttering song. Yeah. Very popular thing in the uh, 60s and 70s, apparently. Other stuttering songs. Um, the one that pops into my head instantaneously is... Uh, Ain't seen nothing yet, but Bach would turn it overdrive, which is like, the, it's such a dick move that song. In what way? So, one of the members of the band, I believe, had a brother. If I'm remembering this anecdote correctly, who had a stutter in the song. A brother would have stutter. A brother would have stutter. Brother from another mother. Brother with another mother would have stutter. And that song was like making fun of him. The story I heard was that the lead singer actually has a stutter. Was the lead singer at the time, and he, he eventually didn't have it, but he had it at that time. And they were just doing an in-studio jam, just sort of to practice and get the levels right on the equipment. They were just uh, doing a jam, and he was just, you know, saying random stuff into the mic with his stutter. And they weren't gonna release it. Though I think the the producer or one of the record people, record agents, recording. What do you, what do you call those people? Agents recording executives, A&R people. Yeah. They, uh, they said, hey, let's release this as a single. And they did. And it was really popular. I remember it. I know that song. I love that song. Um, I'll take that over taking care of business any day of the week. Uh, My Generation. Yeah. Another stuttering song. Stuttering was apparently uh, a, a big problem among the mods in the 60s. Apparently the mods had a lot of trouble with stuttering because of, as a side effect of the drugs that they were using. That sounds about right. I guess that's speed, that kind of thing. And so, so the stuttering in, in Changes is influenced by my generation, which may have been influenced by the drugs, uh, which in turn was influenced by the very generation that the Who were referencing. It's all a cycle. It all starts with drugs. Like every great rock song. Like every great rock song. So this is a song about the generation gap and about placing, it's sort of Bowie placing himself somewhere in time, uh, somewhere following the, the greats, the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, the ones that, uh, that he was idolizing and uh, sort of following up on that. So it's about, you know, the next generation. It's sort of throwing down the, the idols, breaking down the temple walls. There's a part of rock and roll, there's an aspect of rock and roll that always involves dismantling the old gods, and that's kind of what Bowie's doing here. It's getting rid of the Who, getting rid of the Beatles, and saying, here I am, and try to catch me, try to keep up, because I'm much too fast. It's bold. It is. Kind of makes you wonder at the time that he wrote the song if he had any idea, like, did he, did he already have this, like, blueprint for how he was gonna proceed and dismantle? How much of it was born of whims that he had just before an evolution, or how much of it was laid out already yeah like in 1970 was he like okay so i'm gonna do this kind of accessible pop record and then i'm gonna be a freaky time traveling spider for mars and then i'm gonna get into soul yeah how premeditated was it yeah well i don't think he had 1974 or 1975 planned out i think all of everything from ziggy on was a natural progression yeah but i don't know i, don't, I wonder because he was recording hunky dory and ziggy stardust kind of at the same time so he could have had this whole emergence as this whole butterfly thing uh, 
butterfly emerging from the chrysalis. Like, I'll plant the seeds with Hunky Dory, and then we'll do the far out spaceman. Yeah. Afterwards, that could be. Could be. There's a couple songs that sound like they would fit in really nicely on Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Like, I feel like you, if you if you stuck Queen Bitch on that album, it would it would fit in seamlessly on Ziggy. Yeah. Is there anything that could go from the other way around, from Ziggy to Hunky Dory? Um, I think you could stick like Lady Stardust on there, and it would fit in pretty nicely. Hmm. Anything else about changes? Oh man, the piano is Rick Wakeman is playing the piano. It's the same piano from Trident Studios that was used in the Beatles record Hey Jude, and many an Elton John song and many Harry Nilsson records. An 1898 Beckstein piano. And it would later be used on uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Someone classic. should do a documentary about that piano. Yeah, there's a story there. Yeah, that needs to happen. Speaking of things that may have happened or should happen, that, uh, that podcast that you were telling about, the uh, songs you're sick of. Yeah. Have they done this song yet? I don't believe they have. They've done Young Americans, and that was good. Because I'll admit, there's even been times when I have listened to Hunky Dory and I have started a track two because I, this is a great song. It is an amazing song. It's an iconic song. You, you know, you just, you've heard it so much. Yeah. Usually I'll just, you know, put on Hunky Dory and just listen to it. But sometimes I'm like, eh, I, I could skip changes today. Changes fatigue. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Because you hear it. It's, it's everywhere. It's on all the compilations. It's on the radio. It, it's in your iTunes catalog when you're on random shuffle. Yeah. It is everywhere. Yeah, no, I don't think they have, but I'm sure they will. Yeah. So, I mean, I would wager it is the most overplayed David Bowie song. It is. I, I would put it just like a tick higher than Space Oddity. It's probably the most Bowie, Bowie song. So, yeah, if you're reaching for one song to sort of summarize Bowie, that's probably the one. Or if you want someone, if you want to play someone their first Bowie song, this is probably the one to pick. Like, you've never heard Bowie? Here, let me play it. Changes. Yeah. Although, I tried that with a teenage cousin of mine once. Tried to play him Changes, and it, he, he said it sounded too old-fashioned. <laughs> Youths. In retrospect, I really should have played him The Man Who Sold the World and told him, you know that Nirvana song you like? <laughs> this is the original one. I didn't think about that, but I didn't, li- I didn't like that kid too much, so I'm, I'm not too worried about what his musical tastes are. Yeah. Oh, God, that reminds me of when I, I worked at a summer camp. I was in my like early 20s, so I was still very prone to driving around with my, music, with my windows down and my music playing way, way too loud. And I was listening to The Clash, London Calling. I can't remember what song it was on. I think it was one of the, like, one of the mellower songs on there. And one of the kids called it Old People Music. And <laughs> I, was, I was aghast. Yeah, it's weird. It's, we talk about those songs that have kind of a darkness underlying that's covered up by a really accessible arrangement or uh, pop trappings. But then this is, this is sort of an older-fashioned pop form with all the strings and the there's no electric guitar uh it's all piano driven and yeah it's it's it, i can see how it would seem old-fashioned so it is a it is an awesome song covered in pop trappings with a coating of old-fashioned so that you might not immediate i can see how it wouldn't immediately appeal to a younger person yeah a younger more naive more jaded can you be both naive and jaded teenagers are I think I was pretty naive and jaded at the same time when I was a teenager. All right, so that's not an oxymoron. 
teenagers, kids, yeah. preteens, tweens, probably don't get this song. <laughs> yeah, I want to believe that this is one of those ones that transcends, because, like, theoretically, when we were kids hearing this song, we probably would have been in a very similar mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are dumb. Yeah, kids are dumb. If you're a kid and you're listening to this show... You're probably dumb. Please. You won't be forever, don't worry. That's... <laughs> If you're a kid and you're listening to this show, please email us and let us know that you're not dumb. <laughs> but write us, write in 500 words or less, prove to us that you're, <laughs> that you're not dumb. No, if you're, if you're a tween and listening to this show, let us know if you get changes or if it's like completely dumb and old people music-y in 500 words or less. Yeah. I mean, they could probably bang that out in 140 characters or less. That's just <laughs> what they do. Yeah. We might have to decipher some like emoticons, but... Or emoji. Emoji. Right. Not emoticons. emoticons. I'm totally showing my age here. <laughs> um, anything else about changes? Oh, God. There's probably so much to say about changes. It's just so hard. Let's just not even say it. all it. down. Just not even get into it. Um, live versions. Live versions. versions. Um, the most common live version that I know of is the one that always pops up on. Used to pop up on Pandora at work. Um, so when I was with you at work, the uh, one from Bowie at the Beeb. Oh, yeah, right. I got to hear that one at work quite often. So, yeah, from, I think it's the one on, uh, from Sounds of the 70s. I have a note here, David Bowie was paid 15 pounds to perform Changes and the, and the other songs on that show that night. And Mick Ronson, it was a duet. Mick Ronson was paid 10 pounds for that show. And that was that. So I think this, this was before Hunky Dory came out. Total of 25 pounds paid for that performance. <laughs> what a bargain. Paid back in droves, yeah. Because like, yeah. then there's the, uh, you can get Bowie at the Beeb, and who knows how much the BBC's recouped. Oh, I think they may have made their 25 pounds back by now. Yeah. When, when Bowie did it live, he, in the 70s, mid-70s, live performances, he did this, uh, the last, the last couplet, the last... So he repeats, time may change me, but I can't trace time. He does that twice. The second time he does it, uh, he launches into this falsetto uh, that I really love. I like that. I, like, I think I prefer, I prefer that ending. I don't know if I prefer the recording, the live recordings over the studio version, but I love that falsetto that he goes into. It's really good. Uh, best live recording is probably the... Uh, Live at the Nassau Coliseum, 1976, from the Station to Station tour. It's, on, it's in the special edition of Station to Station. I think it's going to be coming out on Who Can I Be Now, the new box set. It'll be re-released pretty soon. Anything else? Any covers? Someone's got to have covered this. Yeah, when I looked it up, I didn't see anyone really prominent covered it. Unless you want to count Lindsay Lohan covering it for Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. <laughs> Which okay. I never saw because there's no reason for me I'll to see it. that in 2004. Because outside of my demographic, it's it's a thing that exists. Um, so. There's also the Shrek version, Shrek 2. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. Which uh, Bowie actually sings on. He's a guest vocalist on the cover of his song. Um, and then there's the uh, the version of it from Life Aquatic. Ah, which um, did you see that they're doing a to- uh, show? At uh, yeah, Symphony Hall. What's what's the guy's name? It's, uh, I'm probably gonna butcher the name and lose all. I'm, my grandmother is gonna strike me down. 
for mispronouncing this Portuguese name. Um, I'm going to say it's So Jorge. Okay. Um, such a bad Portuguese. Yeah, he's going to be doing, I think it actually is him um, doing the versions of the Bowie songs from Life Aquatic, which will be amazing, but unfortunately because at the Symphony Hall it's going to be crazy expensive. Um, uh, unfortunately. So if you're, if you're interested in that show and you're not in Boston, there may be a, a better, another venue, a m- more affordable venue. More, I mean, I'm sure he's, if it's a tour, he's probably be doing a lot of similar venues. Yeah. But I bet it's going to be amazing. Um, it was also recorded by Sean Mullins on the Faculty soundtrack, which is a really old-timey sentence. Um, so this is on the, on the Faculty soundtrack. Um, from 1998, which I believe, if I'm recalling correctly, is that horror movie about the teachers that are monsters and John Stewart's in it. And all I remember about it is John Stewart getting stabbed in the eye with a pen. Um, a goatee John Stewart, so you know he's playing a bad guy. Uh, it's Donald Trump's favorite movie. The Faculty? Yeah. <laughs> Just because John Stewart gets stabbed in the eye? Yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, I've heard it. Important people have told me that uh, it's Trump's favorite mm-hmm. movie. He is a man of discerning taste. Um, and unfortunately, this was never officially released. So I don't know if it's findable, but Bananarama huh. heard it. There's got to be a bootleg of it somewhere. We can only be so hopeful. Anything else about changes? Um, Different versions, covers, stories, anecdotes, puns. Uh, I think I've hit all my changes points. Um, oh, this is the first uh, first uh, song and first of David Bowie's solo songs where he plays saxophone. Plays it throughout and then plays little saxophone solo at the end. Which is very notable because that became kind of a, became a thing. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk very much about David Bowie and his saxophone when we talk about uh, the next one from Black Tie White Noise. I don't remember which, which one that is. Um, well, I, I guess that's it for, for changes. We've yeah. gone through all the changes we can stand. Yeah. If, uh. Uh, if you please, would you proffer a, uh, a score um, for, this, for this song? I mean, what more can you say? It's changes. It's freaking changes, guys. So, uh, really the only question is what the metric is going to be. How many dead-end streets? I mean, you got to give it five dead-end streets. It's changes. How many millions of dead-end streets? Five million dead-end streets. Five million dead-end streets? Um, I mean, there's... You know, everyone who's familiar with the song has gone through a phase where they're like, oh, I've heard this song too much, but it's overplayed for a reason. It's changes. It's the David Bowie manifesto. To give the David Bowie manifesto anything less than a five on a, on a podcast about the body of David Bowie's work would be kind of, in the, uh, in the immortal words of uh, Vanilla Ice, anything less than the best is a felony. Agreed. So I'm going to give it a, a one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a five. Five million dead in streets. Yeah. Uh, it was anticlimactic. It's changes. You, yeah. all know, you all know what changes is going to get. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know what changes also begets is, uh, is decay. Change results in decay. And when you decay to a certain point, you become a skeleton. And uh, if you're a skeleton, you may, you may find yourself singing, chanting, circling, even forming, forming a family. <laughs> and that's... That's the scenario we're going to find ourselves in in two days as we discuss chant of the ever-circling skeletal family. That uh, transition was so smooth. <laughs> I expect Santana and Rob Thomas to write a song about it. 
Uh, that's Wednesday on From A to Ziggy. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, From A to Ziggy, from A to Ziggy.com. Leave a comment on the page for this episode. Email us at podcast at from A to Ziggy.com. You can subscribe and leave comments in iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Until Wednesday, my name's Thomas. I'm Travis. And soulful saxophone outro. Soulful saxophone outro. Say it's true. They got-